welcome to Divorce Happy Hour, your source for everything you need to know about divorce. My name is John Knocklinger and I'm your host today. I'm the co-owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions. My guest today, returning for another go of it, is Katie Lewis. Katie is a divorce and family law attorney in Dallas, Texas. Her firm services divorce and family law matters throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, and again, as I said, the last time she was our guest, she's a fellow Aggie, so that makes her just awesome. Uh, if you want to reach Katie, you can call her at 972-805-8340. You can also find her on Facebook. Just search for Katie Lewis Family Law, and you will go there. And again, as I said, the last time she joined us, she's got awesome pictures up there, so please go take a look. She's also on Twitter. You can, you can follow her at Katie Lewis Law. Um, thanks so much for joining us again, Katie. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'll tell you right now, Katie is a badass attorney, guys. I mean, she is really a badass attorney. If I had to go through a divorce, I would. she would be my first choice. Unfortunately, she doesn't practice in New Jersey, but maybe we'll get you to wave in here if I ever need you. Hopefully, my uh, husband's not listening to us right now. Um, so today's, today's topic is um, parenting time issues during this coronavirus crisis um, and you know what's what's happening with with parenting time issues and I just want everyone to keep in mind that this show is for general information only it is not legal advice okay not legal advice if you need legal advice you need to call an attorney if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area please call Katie's office and she will give you all the advice that you need if you're in New Jersey you can give New Jersey divorce solutions a call um, and if you live anywhere else, Katie and I have an extensive network of people that we know throughout the country. So if you give either of our offices a call, we should be able to refer you to somebody in your area that can help you. So listen, we're going to talk about these things that you should keep in mind, but what's happening in your particular state, you do need to, um, you need, do need to get advice of a local attorney. So Katie, in terms of filing things with the court in Texas. What's going on right now when it comes to parenting time disputes? Okay, so right now, um, prior orders are to be followed. So if you are um, living where you are divorced and you have a custody order in place, those custody orders are to be followed. Um, when the pandemic started, what was really confusing and hard was it was in the middle of spring break um, and it was either right there in the middle beginning end, and parents were very confused as to when does their their possession period end and thankfully our texas supreme court acted swiftly as well as the counties here in dfw dallas collin denton and tarrant by issuing emergency orders letting everyone know that it is expected that you continue to follow the court order with regards to um, the possession and access and follow the school schedule. So for instance, if school is supposed to resume on Monday, uh, March 30th, then you were to return your child per that schedule. And so that really helped us give clarity to our clients 
And I'm so appreciative for the, the judicial system here in Texas for acting so swiftly and giving that clarity uh, to, to the lawyers and to the litigants and, and to the people who are getting along and need some guidance. Oh, that is awesome. And again, I am jealous of the Texas judicial system because um, we have nothing like that in New Jersey. Uh, we're lucky that the court system even figured out how to process paperwork during this crisis. Um, so it, it's, that is really awesome. Um, I will tell you that um, parenting time disputes here, we usually file something called an order to show cause anytime that there's a true emergency. Um, I don't know, what do you guys call an emergent application in Texas? Um, generally, if there's been some kind of family violence, then we're seeking a civil protective order through the family courts. But um, it depends on what type of emergency situation it is. If you have a pre-existing order, then it's a petition to modify the parent-child relationship. And then in that petition, if there's an emergency going on, you, um, you're you going to have an affidavit stating what the emergency is and the relief that you're requesting, whether it be injunctions or immediate possession of your child. Okay. So, so that's it, how we... You guys, I mean, it's basically the same thing. You guys have more of the two-part. You're asking... You follow the ultimate, what you ultimately want, and then just say, I have something that needs to be dealt with right now, um, whenever you file it. Is that sort of what it, right. what it entails? Okay. Um, so I know that our, the only guidance yes. that our courts, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, for instance, if you get a restraining order, it's an order that's immediately in effect and in place. And then you're going to be having a hearing within 14 days after that emergency order to sort things out and have temporary orders in place. Now, are those, is that 14 day deadline happening right now? It is. The courts are hearing all emergency issues. And so obviously if there's been a restraining order, this is an emergency issue. The court is um, hearing some non-essential issues and everything is being done virtually through the court system and um, we are having zoom hearings and the courts are providing us with zoom links and um, for those of you not familiar with zoom and i myself used to fall into that category but there uh, there's an option for breakout rooms and so um the the court will put potential witnesses or people that need that have been subpoenaed to the hearing into these breakout rooms. And so they really, these hearings virtually are flowing much better than any of us ever anticipated they would be. Yeah. Um, are you? It's oh, and they're also being live streamed because courts here in Texas. Oh, I was, that's, that's exactly what I was about to say is all of our hearings are being live streamed on, on the court's website, which is yet another reason you need to try to resolve things and not go into the court system because now anybody can sit in their pajamas and watch everything about your life on the computer. Yes. So <laughs> creepy, but that's how it is crazy. right now. It is crazy. I, I will tell you, um, so our, our courts, the only guidance they really offer, yes, you need to continue to comply with court orders, which should be a duh anyway, right? It's a court order. You follow it until somebody tells you not to. But um, our, our courts have basically said that they do not consider parenting time issues to be emergencies. Um, because you can, always, you can always give someone makeup time and punish somebody for not following a court order. 
But I will tell you that it is, and we're going to talk about this a lot today, because at least here, things are not happening as quickly as they should. Most people find themselves filing these emergency applications because they really have no other recourse, and somebody might just withhold a child forever if you don't do something about it. Um, and, you know, that's, that's always a big problem. Uh, so before we get into, like, the kinds of games that are being played right now, and that's what I'm calling them, games, because I think that a lot of people are playing games. I want to talk a little bit about you, Katie, because I know that you, um, you became a divorce attorney um, partially because you are a child of divorce. So what inspired you to, to do this wonderful area of law? Well, honestly, I would say it, it, it much it more than partially inspired me to do what I do today. Um, love both my parents, amazing people, but their divorce process itself took approximately three years. Mm. Those of you that don't know what a three-year divorce means, it means lots of litigation, lots of hearing, lots of fighting, and um, and so. I, I was nine years old when it started and 12 years old when it was finished. And so it was very impactful to me and it really set me on my mission in life, which I believe is to help other people going through these issues to get out of them as easily and painlessly as possible and to help all those kids out there who have parents struggling in their divorce or in their co-parenting situation and give those parents the tools that can help them be better parents, better co-parents, and keep their children out of the mess of their relationships. That is awesome. It really is. It's really awesome. I mean, I, it's so nice that you've, you know, through tragedy and heartbreak, you found your purpose in life. And I think that is that is something that I think many people wish they could say the same thing about because it's hard to, it's hard to turn tragedy and something hard into something hopefully good for somebody else. Um, I just, you know, a lot, I know a lot of people that became divorce and family law attorneys because they, they either got divorced themselves. I know a lot of people that did that or because they went through, they went through their parents getting a divorce. Um, so how does that inform the advice that you give to your clients, particularly your difficult clients that um, are the ones being really unreasonable throughout a process? Um, so what I do that I think really sets me apart is I do think about what are these kids going through during this time. And um, one of the first things that you will see me do as a client is I'm going to point you in the direction of taking a co-parenting course. And in the world we live in, there are available ones online. And it's really going to give people the skills that they need with regards to communicating with their co-parent. But more importantly, what they're communicating to their children and the types of situations that you're gonna run into when you're not getting along with your co-parent and how to not let that affect your children. Um, so for instance, you know, if, if you've got a younger child who doesn't, who's attached to you and doesn't wanna leave your side, you know, I'm going to help encourage you and show you a path to show that child that you need to be a encourager to them about, you're gonna have so much fun with mom this weekend and you guys are going to do this and, 
you're going to have so much fun and things are going to be okay. As opposed to the kind of games people do play of saying, well, then I'm not going to send my child over to mom's house because child, my child doesn't want to. And that's just, that's not acceptable. So how do you instill those principles in the other attorneys that work in your office to ensure that they're giving, you know, your clients the same treatment to ensure that they're um, parenting, you know, correctly? All my attorneys that have worked for me have taken these co-parenting courses. And we also have co-parenting tools, um, some books um, that we give to our clients with regards to co-parenting lessons. And then for some of our clients who are dealing with um, a co-parent who's got either mental health issues or um, very argumentative, um, we've got special guidance to help them through those situations. And also Texas has, um, we have parenting facilitators and coordinators who are generally licensed um, professional counselors who are going to be meeting with parents to help them work through issues. Like is Tommy going to play baseball or soccer this spring? Or how are we going to work our different possession schedules with his extracurricular activities? And so pointing people in the direction of a facilitator I'm a huge fan of, it's so much better than going into a courtroom and putting these types of issues in front of a judge who doesn't know you, who's got a heavy docket. They're going to be seeing, you know, eight other cases that morning alone other than yours. And so the more agreements and issues that can be resolved between two co-parents, the better, the better it is. Awesome. Awesome. I, I mean, that is, you know, if you're, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you know, what Katie just just said about how she handles things in her office should make you feel really good about um, about what what the process can mean for your kids. Um, if you um, give her office a call and let her help guide you through this process, because it's it's hard and a lot of attorneys do more harm than good, in my opinion, um, to the process by not giving their clients the right advice that they need to hear on how to let go of the emotions, let go of the hatred, let go of all the bad stuff. And remember that your kids, they didn't sign up for this. They didn't sign, they didn't marry your spouse and they're not the ones that are divorcing your spouse. They're just innocent bystanders in this whole process. And I think, I think an important thing I, I tell all my clients is if you say something bad about your child's other parent you're saying something bad about that child to their face because they're half of you and half of them. And it's unacceptable to speak poorly about your co-parent. Yeah. Oh, that is, that is really, that's really good. Um, so while this coronavirus stay at home situation has been going on, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of games that being, being played by a lot of parents. Um, and I want to talk yes. just about some of the ones that I've been noticing and sort of get your take on them. But so this whole concept of the other, the other parent's house is dangerous and my kid shouldn't be there. Have you heard this? Oh, yes. So how do you do um, Okay. So I would say, so I have a couple of clients who are nurses and obviously our nurses are essential workers who are on the front lines helping people right now. And I've seen parents playing games of, well, you're going to work, you're being exposed to people and you're going to be exposing our child. And a lot of it's dealing with, I call it crystal ball type language. Like you, you can't look into the future and know exactly what's going to happen. Um, and so trying to withhold possession because of the fact that somebody's an essential worker. 
And I can tell you the courts are not giving any any credence to that type of an argument whatsoever. It's a non-winning argument. And um, but that's the type of gamesmanship I'm seeing being played or um, the other parent. Oh, this is a big one. The other parent is allowing the child to continue to have play dates. Mm. I'm sure you would agree that it's probably inappropriate that parents should be doing play dates right now. Um, yeah. But we can't we can't control other people's behavior 100 percent yeah you can't you can't control it at all but you know that whole concept of the other parent doesn't know how to be safe around their kids just because they're a nurse or a doctor really pisses me off i mean those people spend their entire careers learning how to protect themselves from getting sick from their patients i think they can handle making sure that their child is being protected from, you know, from anything they might have. Um, so that, that, that really, that really ticks me off, but you know, it is what it is. I guess at this point, people, people are, and this is, this is why people are using this as a sword um, and using this opportunity to uh, go in and uh, do that. So I know healthcare is, is really a, a big deal. And you just said play dates, um, but also, have you had anyone just argue that um, because you're not adhering to a stay-at-home order specifically, like you've know, got a parent that's going out a lot or going to see their own friends, that because they're doing that, that the child shouldn't be going over to that house? I've seen people try to make that argument. First off, good luck proving that somebody is doing something you think they're doing. And, um, you know, that's just another tool of gamesmanship. I will tell you the most unsuccessful tool of gamemanship that I've seen so far is I've seen people going to court to seek emergency relief <clears throat> because the child is in the possession of a parent who is exhibiting flu-like symptoms. Or um, this was probably about two or three weeks ago before testing um, was very available here in DFW. And so they would say, I need to have possession of my child immediately because the other parent has flu-like symptoms. Well, guess what? That's not going to happen. Let's say the other parent is having the flu or, you know, COVID-19, and that means that child has been exposed to it, plain and simple. And then that means that child needs to be quarantined for 14 days. So no matter how you cut it, you're not going to be getting your child in that situation. Well, people are short-sighted. They don't think that far ahead because sometimes it's just about, you know, well, sometimes it's just about hurting the other parent and doing whatever they can. Because sometimes it's because they're scared for their kid. I'm not. I'm not going to say that's never the case. But I just feel in these situations, people overreact in situ in ways they would not overreact if they weren't dealing with their ex. Let me put it that way. If it wasn't their ex they were dealing with. Yeah. They might, they might act a very different way, but they're using those <sighs> using this situation. So you talked about. Um, you already talked about this a little bit, but. Uh, let's say a child is having symptoms of COVID-19. Um, have you encountered that specific circumstance yet? I haven't. Um, I haven't had any of my clients' children do that yet. But, you know, I would be advising any of my clients to follow the CDC guidelines with regards to treatment and quarantining that child and obviously letting your co-parent know exactly what's going on and giving um, frequent updates. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's, and that's what you should be doing anyway. I mean, you should always be fully informing the other parent. I, it's amazing to me how many times, uh, you know, I just had a situation about a year ago where a child fell off a bike and broke their femur bone. And Ooh. my client didn't find out that it even happened until the child was out of surgery. I mean, I, I don't even understand. Um, it was amazing to me. And I will tell you, uh, not just based on that one incident, but on a series of similar incidents that occurred, I was able to get the court to transfer custody to my client because, you know, one of the issues, and I'm sure it's the same in Texas, is, you know, whoever's going to be seeking primary custody of a child, one of the primary things that you have to display is that you, you have an ability to keep the other parent informed. And you have an ability of making sure there's open communication between you and the other parent. If that's not something you're interested in doing, guess what? We got another, we got something else you can do. And that's called not being the parent of the primary residence or the primary custodial parent. Um, so this is just another example how, you know, some people just aren't cut out for that because they can't let their anger subside enough to realize that they are doing what's best for a child, not, not doing things just because they're pissed off at their ex. I completely agree. So, I guess the other big issue right now is homeschooling because, you know, kids aren't in school. So I know you just said in Texas that the, um, the, the courts are saying that you're going to follow the same schedule just like they were actually going to school. Uh, so what have you have you started to hear any rumblings about who's responsible for teaching the kids? You know, I have a full time job. I can't do it. Have you heard any rumblings about this and how people are trying to make this an issue? in terms of how their parenting um, should be going forward? I haven't yet, but I definitely anticipate hearing that in the next couple of weeks because we're, you know, we're in the midst of this and we were dealing with spring break happening at the beginning of it. So there wasn't school during that time. And then I've seen a lot of schools kind of while they were figuring things out, kids kind of essentially got another week of spring break. And then, um, and now the homeschooling is really in full force and effect. And so I haven't heard that argument yet, but I definitely anticipate hearing it in the very future. Well, so I can tell you, um, so we've been, we've been doing homeschooling for four weeks now. Um, you know, New Jersey's a little bit ahead, I think, of, uh, of Texas in that regard. Um, and our spring break starts next week. Actually, today's the first day of spring break. But... Um, it is a full-time job to ed educate a child. And um, I really think that we're going to start to see this play more and more into parenting time issues because it is true that you really have a hard time working a full-time job and educating your child. It is absolutely true. Um, I've, I know that I've had a hard time doing it. And I have a very flexible schedule because I own my own business. So just like you, Katie. And we own our own businesses. We can sort of dictate when we work and when we don't work and what we do. Other people aren't so lucky. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you were talk, just talked about nurses a minute ago. I don't know what essential employees that are having to go to work are doing with their kids right now. I just don't even understand it. Uh, I just, it's amazing to me because you can't really have babysitters come over or send them to childcare because those places 
are, you know, we're socially distancing, so you can't really do that. So I don't really know what people are doing, but it almost sounds like, back to what you were saying a minute ago, this is where co-parenting and, and being flexible, and, you know, if you need to speak to a parenting coordinator, I forget what you call them in Texas, but a parenting coordinator or somebody that can help you resolve these issues, you need to be doing that right now. I don't think the court needs to be involved in how you guys are educating your child. You're two adults, figure it out. You know, figure out who, who can be home and educate the kid. And don't, don't, you know, keep score. Oh, well, I did it for the last three days, so now you've got to do it. You really have to be cognizant of what people's responsibilities are. I mean, how do you, how do you anticipate advising your clients whenever these issues start coming up? Um, I completely agree with everything you just said. And I'm going to be telling them that they need to work it out and they need to put on what's best, their hat of what's best for their child. Because the last thing that they want to do is go before a judge who has heard child abuse type cases and then hear a parent saying, well, they, they put them in front of the iPad for a couple of hours as opposed to working math problems. And so you really need to rise to the occasion. That's what I'm telling my clients. You need to rise the occasion and I'm telling my clients and, and even my whole team here at the office that this is a hard unprecedented time and we need to extend grace to anyone that we're coming in contact with because you never know what someone's going through and this is a very hard and trying time so rise to the occasion and extend grace and assume that the other person your co-parent is doing the best that they can y'all are so and nice that's my Brene Brown lesson for you <laughs> oh, I love that. It's such good advice. It really, it really is excellent advice. And I, I hope that anyone who has kids that are separated um, can put their anger aside and really think about their child. Um, we've, on our, on our Facebook page, New Jersey Divorce Solutions, we've actually interviewed several teachers in recent weeks about things you can do at home to educate your kids. And the one common thread that I've heard from these teachers is you don't have to have a specific schedule with them. And some people say you need a specific schedule. You don't. And there's not, there's not a right and a wrong way to teach a child um, things. You just need to make sure they're doing things that are engaging their minds, whatever that is. You know, whether that's, and I, I put my daughter in front of this show on Netflix called um, Brainchild. And it was just, it's a silly show where they teach them like something every, you know, they teach them about senses and they teach them about germs and they teach them about space. And it's silly, but you know what? She learned something. And, um, you know, and that wasn't, that wasn't part of the curriculum that I got, but you know what? It worked for me in my schedule because I could put her out of my hair, get some work done, put her in front of the TV. So there's not a right or wrong way to do this. I think Katie, you were saying that a minute ago that one of the arguments you anticipate is, well, the kid shouldn't be with dad because dad's putting them in front of an iPad, where if they're with me, I'm going to sit there and keep them at the table for six hours a day and make them sit and, you know, do this rigid schedule. I, I agree with you. I don't think any judge is really going to care one way or the other what's happening in this environment, as long as you're doing something to keep your kids engaged. Yes, absolutely. Well, okay. So, um, in the only the last thing I wanted to ask you about is um, parenting time exchanges. I know that some people have exchanges that occur not at their homes uh, for any variety of reasons. Perhaps there's domestic violence uh, considerations, or there's a restraining order in place, or a protection order. I forget what you guys call them in Texas. But um, what 
what would you anticipate doing or are thinking about doing for someone who's doing exchanges at a public place right now because of, you know, circumstances of their relationship with the other parent? Right. Well, most of the exchange locations, if they're not the parent's home, if and it is in a public place, is in the parking lot. I, I don't draft any orders where you have to walk to aisle three of the target to exchange the child. So honestly, the way things are, are drafted already and, and orders that are in place should not be affected with regards to pick up and drop off. I will say that anyone picking up, dropping off their child, they need to follow the CDC guidelines with regards to, you know, clothes, get them in fresh clothes as soon as they get home, shower, you know, wash your hands. Um, but I, I don't anticipate any types of issues with regards to the exchange location um, with the way things usually are. It's either, you know, the parking lot of Chick-fil-A or the police station. Um, so I don't see anyone needing to enter a building for an exchange. Good. You know, absolutely. Um, I find this whole this whole CDC guidance about washing your hands to be so humorous because now I'm, I think you've probably heard this before. What were people doing before this is what I want to know. Like, were people just not washing their hands? Like, what was happening? Because, like, everyone now is talking about how they're washing their hands for 20 seconds. I'm like, that's what you should have been doing since the beginning of time. Like, why are we doing things new now just because there's a virus going around? <laughs> it's silly town. It's absolutely silly town. Well, um, Katie, again, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on, and I hope that you'll be back some point in the future for another discussion about something. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you have any divorce or family law questions, concerns, um, please give Katie's office a call. You can reach her at 972-805-8340. Again, you can find her on social media, Facebook and Twitter, um, LinkedIn. Go to her website. Um, just search for... Um, Katie Lewis Family Law, Dallas, and you'll probably find everything on, uh, if you just search that on Google, I'm sure you'll find everything about Katie that you could possibly need to know. Um, if you're in New Jersey and you have any questions, you can call New Jersey Divorce Solutions at 732-384-1550. And if you're not in Dallas-Fort Worth or New Jersey, please give either one of us a call and we will try to find you somebody that you can talk to. All right, thanks everyone for listening.